0: Welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Hunsicker. In this episode, we discuss strategies for using automation to improve cybersecurity for state and local government agencies. To overcome the never ending wave of cyber attacks, state and local agencies must integrate technology solutions that enable them to do more with less. Cybersecurity automation solutions will provide these agencies with the ability to stay ahead of existing and emergent threats. For our conversation today, I sat down with Thomas McLean, Director of Government Affairs and Strategy at Palo Alto Networks. I hope you enjoy our
1: conversation today.
0: So first and foremost, thank you for joining me today. Thomas, it's a pleasure to sit down and speak with you this morning.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really do appreciate the the time and the interest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's start off with our first question. Can you tell us what's the current threat environment facing state and local governments today?
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Um, you know, in my role, I head up government affairs and strategy for Palo Alto Networks. I've got a very unique perspective uh, because I work across the whole uh, the whole the whole nation. I work with all 55 states, commonwealths, and territories, and so I really do have a big picture view of what I see state and local governments confronting with respect to cybersecurity threats. And it's interesting, I think the threats, the bad guys, the the malicious actors continue to get more pernicious. They continue to get more sophisticated, driven in part by AI, but it's some of the structural threats that are most difficult for state and local governments to overcome. And by that, I mean, two things come to mind. One is the workforce shortage. Um, It is tough enough to get qualified IT workers writ large, it's even more difficult to get qualified cybersecurity professionals, even in private sector. And the delta between what a state and local government can pay versus what a private sector company continues to exert downward pressure on state and local governments to continue to staff up and have professionals in place that can combat an ever-growing asymmetric, well-resourced adversary. And the second, you know, the second structural threat that states face is legacy technologies, these point products that are out there that, that they may have that they don't know how to fully utilize because they don't have qualified staff, or that the array of tools and services that they got provide just don't work together. And those challenges, you know, make it very difficult for state and local governments to stay current with threats and to stay current with threat actors, you know, as I mentioned, you know, empowered by AI. And so ransomware continues to get more refined, driven in large part by the use of AI and the growth in different technologies and things like that.
0: Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about automation. Why has it become so critical to use automation in maintaining strong cybersecurity?
1: So as I mentioned, the adversaries are becoming more sophisticated. They're leveraging AI tools to craft better, stronger, more sophisticated attacks and at scale. So for example, we are the world's largest cybersecurity provider and we are attacked relentlessly each day. Our security operations center, our SOC, we combat 36 and a half billion attacks every day um, and included in that are one point five million what are known as zero day attacks attacks that have never been seen before. And if we were not able to leverage automation, we would not be able to combat that, those threats. So so for example, when you when you have all these threat vectors coming at you and you have limited resources, uh, in terms of sock analysts and so forth, if you're not using computers to fight computers and technology to fight technology, and reserving, you know, one of the most precious assets that, you know, state and local governments have their their people, um, for for the more sophisticated attacks, uh, they're just doing it wrong, and so that's where the role of automation comes in. That it's one of the things I hear often is you know the numbers of attacks that agencies and organizations are being hit by. And the challenge for any organization is ferreting out the signal from the noise and automation can really help you do that. So, you know, what are the bigger, hairier, scarier, more serious threats that you need to be dedicating those people resources to, or the ones that, you know, versus the ones that your machines, your AI, your machine learning, your your automated tools can actually defend against. And so this is a trend we're going to continue to see. Um, And it also changes the role of the policymaker, the professionals in those organizations, whereby they need to be more strategists versus um, tacticians, namely that they're not going to go out and architect you know, or build these new systems, but they need to know how and where to deploy them and have a much better sense of what their risk profile looks like.
0: Thanks for that answer, Thomas. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the strategies for using automation to improve cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, and, and, and it, you know, they all kind of tie together. And so when you look at any organization, you have what is called attack surface management issues. This is the things that the bad guys can see. So we, you know, we have a tool that we use called Expanse that trolls 98, 99% of the known internet that's out there, looking at vulnerabilities for different systems. And when we work with large organizations, usually you know, we'll ask an organization and and I'm not gonna say which organization it was, obviously, but hey, how many endpoints do you guys have that are that are out there that are visible? And they said, Oh, about 115 million. And when we ran our our our, our tool expanse and we did an attack surface management look at what the vulnerabilities, what are the bad guy, what can the bad guys see, it was actually over over 300 million endpoints devices that were out there that they did not know that they could have. So, you know, one of the things that starts at the edge, it's the notion of knowing what's out there, knowing if it's vulnerable, knowing if the bad guys can see it, and leveraging your tools to automate it. The other thing that has to happen is that the tools all need to work together. And so, you know, I talked earlier about signal versus versus noise. There are so many incoming inbound threats that organizations face every single day that the ability of any staff person to, to, you know, or or massive or teams rather to combat those those threats on a one off basis is just it's just not possible. And so you have to let the tools you have to have you have to have security processes and architecture in place that so when an alert, like for example, I mentioned the attack service management tool, so that when an alert happens and says, by the way, you've got a device that's misconfigured, it has a known vulnerability that the bad guys can see. It's one thing to know that, but it's another thing to have a tool in place that can actually go out and remediate that. And that's the notion of, of leveraging automation to not just get the alerts, because you get the alert fatigue very quickly when you're talking in millions and billions of attacks but you have to have something that is actually gonna go and fix what it is and not just say, hey, you've got an issue.
0: That's great, thanks for that. So at the beginning of our conversation, you alluded to that we are in a current shortage of skilled cybersecurity professionals. Now, most people typically think that ransomware, malware and the like are what the current cybersecurity challenges are that are facing state and local governments. But as you mentioned, Let's talk about how automation can help address this current shortage of skilled cybersecurity professionals. And perhaps, if you would like to discuss maybe the future and talk about if this will decrease the need for human cybersecurity professionals with the increase and in upscaling of automation.
1: Let's talk just a little bit about ransomware and phishing. And you know, phishing is typically the the way that the attackers most often get into systems. And so when you look at the old let's call them the old school phishing attacks they were you know poorly warded the the grammar was was wasn't good the, the the font was off so the bad guys are using ai to improve the social engineering of the attacks and when you look at just that and their ability to kind of get in it really changes your mindset and how you how you how you must combat the adversaries so as I mentioned, our internal security operations center, we've got, uh, I think it's six or eight analysts. They've been in place from uh, you know, we haven't had turnover for the last four or five years. They work eight to five hours, regular hours. they They take nights and weekends off because of the because we leverage our technologies. And what's most notable is that they haven't turned over. And the reason why they haven't turned over, and I'm getting to, to to answer your question, but the reason why they haven't turned over is because they, you know, they're doing what they signed up to do. You don't have cybersecurity professionals who want to go in and just, you know, check the box, check the box, looking, you know, looking at, you know, alerts going off. They get into the business because they want to go out and hunt bad guys and fight evil, as they say. And so when you look at, you know, what it takes to retain good quality workers. It's the notion of letting them do their job, which is fight the bigger threats in in a way that's meaningful to them because they just burn out. And that's one of the biggest things you have to be able to do is to protect those protect those workers. One of the things I hear from states all the time is that they'll hire someone, they'll train them up, and then they get pulled out because of either they're unhappy in what they're doing because they're so overwhelmed. They can never finish their day's work or, 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 or they get pulled out to get, you know, for, for a better paying job but there are things that you can do. And so the states where you see it work the best is where they value their staff and they're allowing their staff by leveraging automation and AI and and a stack of tools that will help them kind of do what they've signed up to do. And to your other question, no, I, I don't think there will ever be a dearth of cybersecurity need for workers out there. So when you look at how the landscape continues to evolve I think how they do their work and what their work involves will change and is changing and has changed, but there will always be that, that demand out there because of the, the ever-changing needs. I and mean, one of the, you know, one of the mantras is this, is as you improve your technology, as you modernize, so do the attackers. And that, you know, just that dynamic will always mean, mean that there is a need for qualified cybersecurity professionals.
0: No, it's great. Thank you. That's very insightful. So do you have any best practices for agencies who have already integrated with automation first mindset into their, their cybersecurity approach?
1: So w- when you look at North Dakota and, you know, North Dakota has been a leader in this notion of whole estate of cybersecurity, whereby they've been able to implement practices and procedures and develop a, a statewide, uh, you know, operations center. And, and they're, they also have interstate sharing dynamic and they leverage all their tools. And they're able to, you know, they're protecting, the state is protecting over a quarter million endpoints, which is pretty significant for any agency to do. And they do that because they've got a platform approach whereby they're leveraging technology to its fullest extent allowing the technology to fight against other technologies and they value and train their workers. and they, So they, they've got a very, very good robust system. Another state that, that, that I will not reference uh, by name is what they've done is that they've been able to leverage and I, and I mentioned the attack surface management tool before across all of their state agencies right now. And they've taken that and they're, they're adding some automation tools. So they're the first state in the nation to do this, whereby they are able to see what the bad guys can see about the vulnerabilities of their networks. And they're adopting the tools that are eventually going to be able to deal with those attack surface management uh, in an instant.
0: Awesome. Now, before we wrap up, Thomas, do you have any final thoughts to share with our listeners today?
1: Yeah. It, you know, one of the biggest trends that I'm seeing across the U.S., I mean, there are, obviously there are a number of trends, is this notion of whole of state. And, you know, uh, obviously CISA has, you, you know, the cybersecurity, state-level cybersecurity grant program that's out there that's helped drive some of this. But we've seen states like Oregon, Massachusetts, New York, Florida, the, the, Nevada. There's a whole range of other states that are looking at opportunities for how they can develop and implement scalable, repeatable cybersecurity practices that support the whole the whole of government, both state and local, while still respecting the, the constitution and jurid- jurisdictional boundaries. The challenge has been is that you've got um, what I would call them have and have nots in terms of cybersecurity. So Oregon, for example, just recently passed this uh, bill that creates a cybersecurity center of excellence. And what that, you know, eventually will do is help broker services out to municipal and local governments and K-12s and smaller critical infrastructure providers who don't have the resources, don't have the skill set, don't have the workforce resources to be able to build out their own cybersecurity systems. And so um, it becomes the best practice becomes, you know, whole of state, it's one team, one fight because the tools, the automation tools, the scalable tools that, that we've been talking about here today, they can be shared. And the, the more that you can work together, the better off any state's going to be. So that's, I think, is a trend that we're going to continue to see, especially as state and local budgets get tighter. You know, we've already heard a number of states looking at significant budget shortfalls. And so, you know, it's kind of a like a, a two-punch approach. One is State and local governments are looking now at how do they consolidate their cybersecurity services? How do they make sure they're getting the best bang for their buck? And part of that is gonna involve moving away from the point solutions, which are hard to manage, which are not typically effective, they cost a lot more, to more platform approaches that are scalable, that they can share you know, those services with smaller organizations, state and local, go- other smaller governments at marginal costs.
0: Thank you, Thomas, for joining us today, and a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in staying up to date on the latest best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies in federal, state, and local government, be sure to visit governmenttechnologyinsider.com.
1: I've been your host, Lucas Hunsicker, and until next time, so long.